Setting race day goals. We always hear about time goals. I always hear people say, I want to break four hours in the marathon, or I want to run sub 330, or I want to run sub 145 and the half. I think I can run X pace for the race coming up. I really want to run under eight minute pace or whatever variation of that you've heard it too. In the running community, it's very prevalent to have time-based goals. And oftentimes on social media or even on Strava, you can go to someone's profile and they will actually have like their race PRs, their personal bests or personal records in various distances listed in their profile. So 26.2 and then maybe they have a dash and then they'll put like 408 as their marathon PR. So a lot of runners, they know a lot about time goals. And so with the title of this podcast, a lot of people are probably thinking, oh yeah, you know, like I know what my time goal is going to be. I don't really need to listen to this. Or sometimes when people are thinking of race goals that they have, setting race day goals, they think, I have my time goal. That's my only goal. That's all I need. Um, But it's really important to also think about non-time-based goals. So there are other ways to set goals for your race besides just thinking about what is that race clock going to say? And I actually think you're setting yourself up for better success if you have some non-time-based goals because let's say your A time goal um, at my last marathon, it was that sub three hour mark. So let's say that A time goal, it went out the window. Well, it would be nice to have other things to be able to focus on and use as motivation to get to that finish line even if your A goal kind of goes out the window. Um, And it's also good to have non-time-based goals to think about because otherwise you're going to be staring at your watch. You're going to be looking at it. You're going to be worrying about it. And we don't want it to be so much pre-race anxiety or so much hyper-focusing on the numbers. We want to think about other things during that race. There are other ways that you can actually set goals for your race. And there's actually a lot of benefits to it. So time goals are really great for figuring out what your pacing plan and pacing strategy should be. And we've doing a lot of social media posts in terms of how to pace a race based on, let's say you know that your goal race pace, what you've trained for, what you're in the fitness to run is like nine minute pace. It's really good to have an idea of where you wanna be at various points of the race, right? So you wanna come through the half around this time you know that you don't want to start any faster than this pace and that's really good to have a gauge of what is the game plan but you also want to have other goals to think about during the race like how do i want to feel and what are ways that maybe i want to do my fueling differently or approach the hills differently or there's also been times in my racing experience where I've realized over the years that something that I had an issue with kind of back in my early running days was I would let other people kind of guide how my race was going to go. So the beginning parts of marathons or races, I would just kind of run how other people were running. I didn't really like getting past at the beginning, so I'd maybe try to hang with people. I didn't run my own race. And so over time, one of my big non-time-based goals was learning how to run within myself and run my own race. And part of that segmenting off from that non-time-based goal was let people pass you the first half. Like observe it 
and almost like enjoy it, kind of letting it happen, right? Run your own race. Do not let it distract from what you are doing. And having those certain triggers that you are going to be thinking about during the race, it helps you run your best possible time. So often we think, oh, all I need to know is what mile I need to hit at every single mile marker or what pace I need to hit. But there's other things that happen within the race, like your fueling strategy, your mental strategy. So for me, that was like a mental thing. I didn't like feeling like I was getting passed by a lot of people at the beginning of a race. But once I got over that mental hurdle, it unlocked the next level of my potential and it helps me pace better in races. And so we're going to be talking about what some of these non-time-based goals could be for you because you put in so much work and you are already doing such a great job with everything that we don't want race day to be this one thing where you know you just get sidetracked by something that you weren't expecting like oh I wasn't expecting that up the hills I was gonna have such a hard time like running my own pace and I didn't want to get passed by anyone so I ended up going anaerobic and then it kind of ruined my race and so these are patterns that sometimes happen and so it's really good to have these non-time-based goals about how do you want to approach hills how do you want to approach your fueling how do you want to approach the first half of the race versus the second half of the race mentally what are you going to be listening to what are your thoughts going to be what is your mental game going to be like these are ways that you can set yourself up for success to run your best possible time Um, so race day is just the cherry on top of all the hard work that you've already put in leading up to this day. And so we're just gonna go over some of the things that you could be doing to set non-time-based goals. So Jason, what are some things that you and your athletes talk about this time of year or just any time where you are hoping to get them to maybe focus on some of those non-time-based aspects? Yeah, really good uh, to first consider this right before we start talking about the time-based goals. And so, you know, as an athlete, if you're trying to kind of brainstorm how to even go about identifying these, um, I would start with using like previous race experiences as a, as a baseline. So like what maybe went well in your last marathon or, or half marathon, what maybe were your struggles, and then try to maybe set a goal that corresponds to that, right? And so maybe it was, you, you know, you had a huge positive split, and so now it's going to be a negative split, or you really uh, struggle with your feeling, and so now you're going to really be focused on hitting, you know, X number of carbs per hour, that sort of thing. So it's really about just um, trying to rectify things that maybe didn't go good for you in the past. And um, and then the, the next step would be just thinking back in your recent training, like recalling what workouts went really strong for you and trying to replicate that in the race, right? So figuring out, um, you know, how to approach the workout mentally. You talked about the mental game. And so what sorts of things do you tell yourself when it gets really hard? or what do you tell yourself early on um, in your workouts or in this case it'll be in the marathon or in the half marathon in the race so that you are patient and you're disciplined you're committed to reaching your goal at the end right so like what are those um, phrases or the positive self-talk what does that actually look like and then you had a lot of great you know examples of those non-time-based goals so just a couple of my favorite ones are um, yeah, about the feeling, right? Like, how do you want to feel at mile at halfway point and then in the last, like, 10K of the race or 5K of the race? Um, and then, um, you know, you talked about, like, running with a pack and running your own race, that sort of thing. And so sometimes the goal might have to do with, um, yeah, like, just observing where you are on the course, right, in comparison to, like, a 
uh, what do they call the pace group, right? Because a lot of times people, they rely on those. So just uh, that's, that's more of another example that sort of has to do with time, but it's not specifically related to time. So um, Definitely, yeah. How you want to feel uh, the first half versus the second half, I think, can always be tricky for people, especially if they don't have a lot of experience. And so this is why I think it's important to, so if you have done races before or marathons or half marathons, um, reflect back on the last one that you did, whether that went well for you, like whether you felt really good at the end of that or you didn't, that's something you can learn from. So the first time I attempted to break the three-hour barrier, um, my approach, I mean, I had done 22 marathons before that, or 21 marathons before that, and my approach to this goal was um, a little bit different. Like, I had negative split my two previous marathons, so I was like, I'm going to go out a little bit more aggressive. And so, um, you know, learning from that, it was a positive split. I missed my goal by 69 seconds. I felt so terrible the last half of the race and you know it's almost like you oscillate between the two right so it's like I had all these negative splits so then I was like oh no I need to be more aggressive and then you know you're humbled by that experience and so then I approached my 23rd marathon with the opposite mindset of no I really need to go out very very conservative and whether or not that means I hit my time well I don't really care because I never want to feel um, that bad at the end of the race because it's just going to lead to you not running to your potential and I would rather have my fastest miles be at the end than just be totally cooked by mile um, 18 and so I kind of flipped the script and had the opposite approach and that's what helped me end up running the um, the 254 that day but I think it's totally normal to maybe have one season where you totally crush it you ran a negative split and so then maybe you're going into this race thinking maybe I'm going to be a little bit more aggressive and that might actually be a good thing because you might actually learn okay maybe I can be a little bit more aggressive but we don't want to go so extreme on that right and so in my case when I did it I think I I went too extreme and so you just want to make small tweaks right so if you have been negative splitting and you've been running really well and you think eh, I think it'd be a little bit more aggressive just do it very ever so slightly because if you overcorrect it can lead to um, kind of the opposite issue but I think what's more common is that athletes have positive split races so that means that in the past you as an athlete have gone out hard or maybe you think you didn't even go out hard but at the end of the race for whatever reason you struggled and it was like maybe not necessarily like a crash and burn but we've all heard about hitting the wall bonking not um, feeling strong at the end and that's pretty common in a marathon uh, I think they say like something like 90% of the marathon finishers will run a positive split if not more than that um, it can be really common. So some ways that you can approach this and think, how can I make myself into someone that finishes a marathon strong? You really want to see how can I make like incremental progress towards that goal? So if you have a goal to be a marathoner for a long time and do several more marathons, which most people probably do, um, take small steps towards that goal, right? We don't need to completely reinvent the wheel and, and be like, okay, it's going to be 
we are going to go from this 20 minute positive split to we're going to do a 20 minute negative split. We can just think, okay, what were the things that maybe didn't go well in your last race? Was it a pacing problem? Was it a problem executing hills? Was it a problem with running with a pace group and not running your own pace? Was it an issue with the ego, right? And being passed by people the first half of the race? Because that was kind of my issue. I didn't realize that that was actually impacting how I was pacing. When someone would pass me at the beginning of the race, I go, well, I feel good. I can just run with these people. It'll be fine. Everyone else is doing it. No, it's about running within yourself. And I think those little changes. So if you just realize, oh, maybe if I, when I see someone pass me, I just let it happen. I don't change my pace until mile like 16 or whatever. That in and of itself could maybe lead to better results. Or if you're a person who you find that on hills, you don't really know how to pace or you find that at the top of the hill, you're really winded and it just takes a lot out of you. Well, maybe we approach this marathon where the first 17 miles of the race, we're going to walk up all the hills or we're going to slow down drastically and maybe do like a run walk up the hill so that when we get to the top of the hill, our breathing hasn't changed significantly from when we are at the base of the hill. Because what will happen in hillier races, especially like the Boston Marathon, mm-hmm. um, people will they'll not adjust their paces and they go up the hill and they're winded at the top. And if you right. keep doing that, and Boston is relentless. There are lots of rollers, same with CIM, right? And so if you're, if you're not really adjusting your pace or, or your effort and you're going up those hills, you're hitting anaerobic, mm-hmm. um, anaerobic, levels in your body, right? And if you're doing that over and over and over and over again, before you make it to the halfway point or before you make it to mile 20, your energy is going to be shot. You're not going to have that same finishing kick, that same strength and endurance at the end of the race because you've kind of dipped into the well too soon. And so we want to think, what are the things in the past that I think have tripped me up? And I think that's why it's really good to go over post-race reflections and think about those things because for some people maybe they haven't ran a marathon in a year or two or three or four and they can't really remember but i always think there are certain memories that maybe are in the back of our head like okay i could potentially improve on that another thing is fueling i know it's a little bit too late to maybe implement a brand new fueling strategy but i think if you in your mind are just really diligent about okay i'm taking my fuel here 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 and here it can help break up the race and it can help you really stay focused on something else besides, oh, I have to be hitting eight minute pace at mile nine. It's like, no, you gotta take your gel at mile nine, get your water, and those things can kind of distract the mind and keep you busy and focused and thinking about, okay, this fuel is gonna provide me with the energy to run a good race. Yeah, you said a lot of great things there and you know, with just speaking of feeling really quick, I know some athletes I've seen they they feel like they're pretty confident in their feeling approach and training and then we get when they get to the race what they kind of forget is that um you know they're running 26 miles at that goal marathon pace or mm. you know slightly slower than at least starting out so their body's actually going to be requiring more um, fuel than what it was on like some of their long runs right and so you have to just sort of be aware of that like it's it's probably a good thing to uh have you know, overestimate in terms of like how much fuel you should bring with you or take on the course. And so that's just kind of a side note because you don't want to run low. You know, you're probably going to be utilized or using up more um, sodium than you would in a training run, especially if the weather is on the warmer side. 
Um, but you know, when you think about race day goals in general, the first thing you want to do is obviously, um, when you set your time based goals, you want to have, uh, you want to be honest with where your fitness is at, right? Cause I know a lot of times, like you said, mm. to kick off the podcast, a lot of people want to break the pretty number, right? But their fitness and their training that isn't quite in line with that. And so you're kind of already setting yourself up for failure if you strive for something that isn't quite reachable or, um, you know, you haven't really done a, another race that really, um, you know, shows that your fitness is at that level. So it's important that, um, you know, when we're talking about all these, these goals here, and I do want to get back to non-time-based goals because I had some good thoughts there, um, that, you know, your goals coincide with one another and you may fall short on your time goal, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that you still can't meet all of your non-time-based goals, right? And if you're able to do that, you're growing as a runner and that's going to help you in the future. Um, but I do think if you are able to meet your non-time-based goals, then you have a greater chance at, you know, reaching that time-based goal. If, mm. if you create some goals that are sort of in line with that, you know, you talked about the hills, that's a great mm -hmm. one. Um, I've even, when I've ran marathons for fun before, I've done, I've uh, thought of things to distract my mind because I think that that helps me not get too worked up about the paces. So I'll really have a goal of just sort of informally looking at all the signs that I can see on the course. Because I think that's kind of cool when you read the signs, you get encouragement from that. Um, you never know what you're going to see that's going to inspire you too. And so um, I think it's really good to go in with a few of those non-time-based goals for sure. Right. Yeah. And it is kind of tricky coming up with that time-based goal as well. Like I think there are some people out there and maybe a lot of runners actually fall in this camp where they always are setting goals that are like just beyond their reach. Like it's just, it's like if all the stars aligned, yes, this is the time you could run. And it would have to be like an out of your mind um, day, out of your mind, like everything would have to be perfect. And in those cases, like you're rarely going to actually hit that time. And I think a lot of people know that and just being okay with that and realizing like you're setting your standard and your goal like so, so high. Um, and just knowing like where are you falling in the spectrum of setting goals. There are other people that I know where they set the goal and this is for all things in life, right? This could be for like um, career stuff. This could be for like, I don't know, cleaning. I, just people's temperaments are different and I know some people that set bars lower like they they prefer to have a bench that they can hit and so if you're on the the side of things where maybe you're setting your goals kind of conservatively because you really want to hit them maybe let's move the bar up a little bit like be a little bit more aggressive you can change um that mindset and you can have different time-based goals right so you can have like a b and c goals you can have um you know that one where all the stars aligned you can have something in the middle and then maybe something more towards the end but also realizing that just finishing these and even just starting these events is an accomplishment in and of itself i always like to think that like the training is really where all of those tangible changes happen so you've already put in all the work the last thing to do is just run the race right like your fitness is there regardless of what happens on race day and sometimes when it comes down to the execution part of things a lot of it has to do with like experience, how everything just comes together on race day, like with your body physically, sometimes maybe you're getting a virus or um, it's just like a bad time of the month if you're female. Uh, there's so many factors that come into play when it comes to that execution part of things. And so we don't want to set up all of our 
um, like happiness on this end goal of like this one day, one execution, really reflecting on how did training go? Like how overall did you feel that training went? And really just being confident in that and don't wait until you get that time goal to be proud of yourself, to be proud of the work that you've put in. You really wanna look at what you've already done, what you've already accomplished, and then feel secure about all of that. And that's where really the changes occur is in the training. And that's, it's kind of like the quote, like the joy is in the journey, not the destination. And so sometimes when you hit that destination, like when I broke the three hour barrier, I was like, Oh, okay. Like that was, that wasn't it. You know, what was it was the training that got you there. That was really where the mindset changes happened. That was really where the fitness made whether or not, you know, you end up hitting that goal on race day. That's not always the part that you remember. That's not always the part that kind of sticks with you. It's the transformations already occurred in the journey. Yeah, really well said. I think a lot of times we put so much emphasis on the race itself, right? And the outcome. And sometimes, you know, I've seen athletes be pretty down on themselves after they maybe don't even reach their seagull, or maybe they just are so far from like where they want it to be. Um, and they think that it's, you know, they're doing something wrong, but really it's just, um, it could be so many factors, you know, that lead into that reason. But the biggest thing is to continue showing up because that is going to be how you continue to grow. And sometimes we just need different racing experiences to mm -hmm. continue to develop our, our mindset. Um, you know, sometimes there's a race where the hills really surprise us, right? So then it's, it's really easy to think about, oh, I just need to do more hill training and strengthen my quads, that sort of thing, because I was fatiguing early. But other times it's not so obvious, right? Like we have to go, you know, we go back to the drawing board, but there's not an obvious answer. And so we really just have to, um, you know, kind of persist through it and figure out, okay, well, what are we going to change this time? How are we going to adjust this approach? Maybe I take some time off from the distance, come back to it later. Or, you know what, maybe I... Um, Maybe I try it again in, in another cycle just because I feel like I had a few hiccups this time and I think that really affected my training, you know, in, as, as a whole. And so um, I think just being open to um, exploring all the possible avenues that you have and, and not being so hung up on, on the race mm -hmm. itself and the outcome. That's really key. Definitely. There are so many ways that you can set yourself up for success by setting different non-time-based goals as you look into this race. Um, I know one of the things that Coach Ben Jacobs has said over the years is, you know, the company's name is Run for PRs. And I think when I set that name up about 10 years ago now, when I started the coaching business, I was really kind of hung up on times. And I really wanted to like PR in time-based manners at different distances. And I kind of assumed that's what, you know, a lot of people want. And I do think a lot of people do want to run a PR. I mean, right. But at the end of the day, you can PR and other things besides the, what the race clock is telling you. Right. So it doesn't have to be a race clock PR. You could PR at the happiest race you've had, or you could set a personal best at the best attitude you've had, the best you've paced a race, right. the best you have approached your training. There's different ways that you can get the best out of yourself. And so always challenging yourself to go to that next level. And I mean, eventually there is going to come a time, I know this is like unpopular to say, unpopular opinion, but there will become a time in everyone's life if you live long enough, that you will no longer be able to PR, right? So maybe for some people that's when they hit 25, right? Like if they've been running their whole life, um, 
I know some people that ran their fastest times in high school, in middle school. Um, but there's also people who don't reach their athletic peak. I mean, look at like Sarah Hall. She's almost 40 and she's running her fastest times. And I think you can still run your fastest times probably depending on when you started running into your 40s. And if you didn't start running maybe until you were in your 40s, yeah, you can kind of maybe run your fastest times even when you're 60. Like my mom Mm -hmm. started running at 50. She ran her fastest marathon time at 60. But eventually things do start to slow down, right? Um, And so that's really important to think about. There are other ways that you can measure your success. And there are other ways that you can kind of set goals for yourself. And I know for some women who have children, there's like postpartum PRs. So like with kids, like what is your fastest time as a mom? Or what is your fastest time with a stroller? And I think it's really important to always be kind of setting goals for yourself because I do think it helps you to stay motivated. But we have to remember that it doesn't always have to be, okay, it has to be the fastest time I've ever ran in my entire life. Sometimes it can be just being incrementally better at something. And sometimes that's not even like a time-based goal. I know we've coached people before who were going through like chemotherapy. And so for some people in like situations like that, obviously you're not going to run your fastest times. You're probably not even going to be running much at all. But just having goals that you're setting for yourself, like, you know, maybe this week I'm gonna run three times and I'm gonna try to at least like lace up my shoes. There are ways that you can set goals for yourself that still would make you a better person, help you in the long run. And so it is really important to talk about that topic as we head into these fall races because right now on social media and just even in like running communities, I know there's a huge emphasis on like, what is your time goal? And and sometimes even people putting time goals in your own mouth, like for the longest time, people would always come up to me, oh, is your goal to break three? Is your goal to break three? And it's not until you're ready to do that goal that that's when you have to do it, right? No one needs to tell you what sort of fitness you're in. You can be the judge of that. You can judge what your own goals are. You get to measure what success looks like to you. And for some people, maybe that's stepping back and just like enjoying the race. I think last fall there's um, the badass lady gang. She's on social media. I think it's like Kelly Roberts or something. She had a reel, I remember, where her goal for the New York City Marathon was to like, she had a like a counter, like a little tick counter in her um on your hand that you just do with your thumb and she was trying to count a thousand dogs i believe it was on the new york city marathon course so in the past like i think she was really trying to qualify for boston for several years because of course that's what like everyone does on social media but um for this marathon she was like i don't i'm just trying to count as a thousand dogs (laughs) and so people were like commenting they're like oh my gosh i'm gonna bring out my dog like make sure you count my dog and so that is like a very unique twist on this and i'm not saying like that's what you have to do but i'm saying there are so many unique creative ways that you can be a part of these races and find joy in them and so for her that's enjoyable for her because she really likes dogs and so that makes her happy thinking of like a thousand different dogs like if you really like dogs of course you're gonna be able to see a thousand dogs in the new york city marathon and that's gonna make you happier when you're running because you're gonna see all these dogs that you like And then it's also going to make other people happier because they know that, oh, you're looking for my dog or whatever. 
And I think that's just a way that you can kind of spread joy um, in the running community with things that are not necessarily being so hardcore about the time-based goals and stuff. There are other cool, fun, unique ways that you can celebrate running and it doesn't have to be anything drastic like that, but it can be something small like I'm going to, you know, high five a kid or I'm going to wave to someone or whatever it may be. Yeah, I love that story. And I think the older I've gotten, I've realized that, you know, to me, it's it's uh, I've appreciated the journey more when I let go of the time based goals and I can just appreciate like everything that goes into running and how it impacts my life, Um, you know, making me feel happier and and stronger. And even though I'm not running as fast as I used to, but I think, um, you know, if you think back to when you like first first did your race first race you ever did in your life no matter the distance you probably didn't care so much about the time mm-hmm. you just cared about completing it and you felt this sense of like pride in, in being able to accomplish it right and then and so that is sort of the feeling that we want to hang on to and and as we approach all of these races you should have an appreciation for just being able to participate and go through the training and um that that's what it boils down to and the more i think you know non-time based goals that you can set I think that that just helps um, continue your appreciation for running and hopefully will allow you more longevity in the sport because you're not going to get, you know, too stressed or too burnt out on the time stuff, so. Totally. And that kind of brings me back to, like, one year we did the Star Wars half marathon in Disney. And originally when I signed up, you know, it's like I kind of had a time baseball in my head. But, you know, with the weather being warm and everything, it just, I was like, what are you doing? Kind of at mile two of the race. I'm like, you're in disney world right now and you have this like Mm -hmm. attitude of like i need to run so fast and like i'm in the i'm like running through disney world and like my attitude is just like so hardcore and there's like characters at every mile more than every mile right and here i am like blowing by them like not even you know and then i was like no i'm gonna stop and take a picture with some of these characters like why not because you know it's not all about running the fastest possible time that you can um, and then I ended up, you know, finishing the race. It was definitely a lot slower than what I normally run. And so I didn't think much of it, but then oh, come to find out I got like third place or something. And so it's just really weird how sometimes things just end up like right. working out in your favor when you just kind of least expect it. And like, who would ever thought like at a Disney race, I would have got like a third, third place, which is still kind of confusing yeah. to me. But, um, yeah, it's just one of those things where you kind of let go of, whatever and something unexpected might come your way you might have a a more pleasant fun surprise. yeah right. pleasant surprise or at the those t- you always oh appreciate gosh. more the twin so, cities marathon oh yeah, in 20 yeah it was about 10 years ago i was doing the twin cities marathon it was the it was the first time i did it yeah first time i've ever ran the race and i was really nervous before the race and so i was like i'm gonna wear these like bunny ears <laughs> and like a right. cat like a tail like a or a bunny tail just because right. it's october and i wanted just to like have fun with it like why not right there's so mm-hmm. many people on the course and i just want to like show a little festivity so i crossed the finish line um and this person like pulls me over to the side and was like oh, like you, you won a middle of the pack finisher award. And I was like, what is, I don't even know what that is. And they gave me like this huge bag full of stuff and this award. And then they like interviewed me later through like email with all these questions. And I was like in their newsletter, but it was really interesting because I had like no idea that was even a thing. And I was so confused. And I was like, why are you giving this to me? And they're like, we just loved like your spirit and how you were wearing like the 
the bunny ears, mm-hmm. we, you just caught our attention and we liked how you finished the race. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. And so you never know like who you're inspiring. You never know like what energy you're putting out there. And those little decisions they do kind of have impacts on other people. So just remember that it may not be your fastest time or you know, you might not feel super great, but there's other ways that you can have fun at the race and just make it a little bit more lighthearted. Because remember, it is a hobby for anyone probably listening to this podcast. I don't think anyone who would run professionally listens to our podcast, but it is a hobby. And so just remembering to like have fun. And so sometimes that's why I like to go to those fitness classes at the gym because the instructors just remind, they remind you to like have fun and just like kind of let loose. And so that's kind of the attitude that I would take going into these fall marathons. So if you ever are interested in working with a coach on a free seven-day trial, you can fill out the form at www.run4prs.com and we can get you set up with a coach for a free seven-day trial. Again, that's www.run4prs.com. Thanks for tuning in.